Hello, friends. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter and Touched by Type 1. Go to touchedbytype1.org or contournext1.com to find out more. Today, I bring to you a tour de force in podcasting. Two guests able to speak at the same time. Mm, what's that you say? That's different, Scott. Yes, it is. Kristen and Jeff are on the show today. They're parents of a child with type done. Their parents, Kristen and Jeff, are... Let me get a drink. Let me just start over here. Kristen and Jeff are on the show today. They are parents of young Tess, who has type 1 diabetes, and they're up for some deep conversation. So this one just, I loved it. I hope you do too. Please remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. All right, settle in. It's a lot of goodness in this one. Ooh, here comes the end of the music. Boom. Boom. I love it. This is fun. You actually talk back. You know, like when we're listening to you in the car, I'm like, but, but <laughs> now I'm like, oh, he's right here. Let me just say, <laughs> I think it's really positive that I don't speak back to you while you're listening to the podcast. <laughs> right. Okay. But. Yeah. I mean, your doctors would be thrilled to know that that's not happening. I think. <laughs> so. so we are already recording and, um, in a second, I'll just ask you to introduce yourself. You guys were interesting in as much as that you had a, a fairly like cogent idea for what you wanted to talk about on the podcast, yet the podcast never really have cogent like plans. Yeah, plus that was like six months ago. Too, yeah. so. I'm hoping you forgot. We did. We, we made notes. We, we got into conversation last night about it. That's about as much planning as you're going to get. I think that's perfect. I think that um, the reason the, the reason there are a lot of podcasts that nobody listens to is because they they try to make everything perfect and uh, feels yeah. like they're, they're reading, you know. So you know what? I'll let you introduce yourself in a second, but I don't want to lose the thread for a moment. Um, okay, let me let's. You know what? No, no, forget it. Go ahead, introduce yeah. yourselves first. Well, actually, can I ask a couple of housekeeping questions, super you, quick? Yeah, sure. So. Um, I have a one o'clock appointment, and so I have to kind of leave at like twelve thirty, twelve forty-five. What's your feel on that? What's your read like? Oh God, if we're not done by okay. twelve or twelve okay. fifteen, right. okay, that's what I was uh, sort of wanting to make sure. Oh, let me be certain to tell you that if we're not done by twelve or twelve fifteen, one of us is woefully f- us up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that which is a great segue into my second question. We're not allowed to cuss, right? <laughs> right, I can't curse. I mean, if you yeah. really feel it, let it go. I'll beep it out. Um, I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem. To be perfectly honest with you, if you curse on iTunes, it eliminates a bunch of countries. And so I don't curse so that I can have a more worldwide show. I would love to curse. Most of my life is cursing. And uh, if I I did an episode the way I normally speak, 
I honestly believe no one would listen to it, or I'd have a completely <laughs> different group of people as an audience. Yeah, like I'd lose a sailor mouth too, so I gotta kind of watch it. So. You have okay. no idea. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, there's these poor souls in Eritrea that wonder why they can't get their basal rates correct. You know, India actually is one of the places, and oh, uh, there's a lot. Of, a lot of people. Yeah. You'd be surprised where the podcast is listened to. It's kind of crazy. Um, Anyway, that's great. I think that's awesome. Well, there was actually a really big study that just came out of India. It was like 41. I was like only 41, but T1D kids and families were were looked at in India. I thought it was really interesting. Anyway, yeah. whatever. All no, right, please. here we go. Introduce yourself. <laughs> I am Kristen Harkey, and I I am Jeff Johansson. Okay. And, okay. Hold on. No wait. You see, already I'm there. Kristen, you didn't want his last name, or he didn't want you to have it, or you were just like, oh, I, love, I love the Harky name, we're not married, what's the deal? <laughs> no, we're definitely married, <laughs> we've been married 12 years, and uh, I just have always been Kristen Harkey, and so I just figured I would navigate through this life being Kristen Harkey. <laughs> I have to admit, I agree with you, my wife wanted to keep her maiden name, and I we were so young, I kind of pouted about it, I think that's the only reason she has my <laughs> last name. I think if she would have said the same thing to me... Five years later, I would have just been like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. Yeah, we all grow. We all we all yeah, change. That's yeah, really interesting. <laughs> okay, so Kristen and Jeff, um, married for 12 years. Any kids? <laughs> yeah, so we have the one. We're one and done. Um, her name is Tess, and she is a third grader. And she was diagnosed when she was four, so just in preschool. So we're coming up on our fifth year as T1D parents. Tuss like Robitussin or? No, Tess. Tess, like Tess, oh, like Tesla. Oh my like, God. Yeah. No, I, your your um your accent got me there for a second. I, oh gosh, I, it really comes out, doesn't it? When I, I, oh no. I thought Kristen okay. just like put put that kid's name into a, a letter generator, and they're like, let's call her Tuss. <laughs> I just figured Jeff was drunk when you asked, and he was like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Tuss <Sure>. is. <laughs> All right, so so Tess is in fourth grade now. She's in third. Third. And- and she was diagnosed at age four. Ah, um, that's where in the four. January, right after her birthday. That's where the four came from in my life. Yeah. January, um, what year? 2010. You guys have been no, at this 20, for a while. 2014. 2014. Well, 2014. Oh, right. right. Oh. 2010, she was born. December 2010, born January 2014. 2014 diagnosed, and you guys are drinking Robitussin, not naming your kid <laughs> Robitussin. I got it. No, I got it. I'm, I'm joking. Okay, at least we went with that instead of Rob. all right okay so all right so i first of all i mad respect on the one kid thing i uh i think it's uh (laughs) it's a a brave and and, uh we were a little late to the game i was 35 when she was born so that was part of the reason too i see i see I, i i understand we took our sweet time well, you, you know, and we were both working. We were really in kind of full career mode um, for a long time. And, and I, you know, I was working in an executive track kind of nonprofit environment. And Jeff has been a veterinarian and in uh, emergency care for ever. <laughs> 19 years. 19 years. Jeff, yeah. v- veterinarian and the emergency care is around centered around animals. You're not like a dual citizen yeah. doctor or something? Small animals. Small, yeah. Okay. No kidding. Mostly cats and dogs. How many times do you see a small animal that's hurt in an emergency situation that you look at, smile at the owner and go, just give us a second. And then you close the door and think, I can't help this animal. Is is it it like, like, do they? Well, you don't start from that point of view. I mean, they, they, you know, you try to get a good assessment, a good judgment about, about what's doable, um, help them with the options and, and just be there. 
So I don't, I don't do emergency anymore. I've kind of transitioned out of that, but I did did work as an emergency vet for 17 years. And for the first decade of our marriage, he was working overnights and weekends. And so for those first couple of years of Tess's diagnosis, that was really rough, you know, where it was like he wasn't he wasn't there, but then he was there in other moments. So, yeah. Did you feel like you couldn't sleep when you were by yourself with her there? Uh, you know, sometimes not sleep is not a problem of mine typically. And this would have been um, pre Dexcom too. Yeah, this so. was pre pre those days. Those seem like the wild west to us Just now. Roll the know? dice and hope she wakes up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've had that thought. Like I've walked back into the bedroom before Dexcom. My wife's like, "How's it looking?" I'm like, "I think she's gonna make it till tomorrow." And, uh, <laughs> right. I mean, Beyond that, I can't make uh, any promises. Yeah. Laughter. Yeah. It, it really is it really is strange to think. Like once you've seen a quick fall on a CGM graph and right. you and you think back to when you didn't have one, you think that happened before I knew how fast it was falling. Like what exactly. stopped it before? You, you know? Um yeah. I, I know this is off topic for a second, but I, I'm just wildly interested by this for some reason. And Jeff, if I don't ask you, I think it'll stick in my head the whole time we're talking. <laughs> how frequently do people not do things with their pets because of cost that the that the animal needs? Does that happen a lot or not particularly? Um, it does happen. I think, you know, there's a, a lot of pet owners out there and um, not everybody's necessarily in financial position for themselves or, or for their own families, much less, you know, you add an animal to the mix. And so, um, you know, part of what we do is really to try to, to, to not force people to think there's only one way to deal with this. You obviously want to, to provide them with a, a, a gold standard plan. Mm -hmm. But if that's not going to work, then you try to tailor something else that's going to work. And I think, you know, that kind of gets, that's part of the challenge of what we do too, is working within the owner's means, because obviously the animals don't show up with their own credit cards in the, in the pocket. Yeah. Yeah. If the I world, mean, if, by the way, if the world gets to that, I think we're in trouble, but <laughs> we probably are. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff's world is the, the breadth and span of it is fascinating to me where for years he could walk into an examination room and be meeting with a farmer who has a dog that has a hurt foot. And well, that dog is now useless to the farmer. Right. Mm -hmm. And then he can leave that room, go into the next examination room. And there's maybe somebody there with a 16 year old cat with cancer and they're willing to spend $10,000 on that cat, you know? So it's, it's just such a pendulum, just such a big swing. It's not at all like human medicine in that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's just, it is kind of fascinating to me. It's not nearly what we're going to talk about, but I just, it, it's, it does strike me that that's such an odd, and you just encompassed it perfectly what I was thinking. Like it's a, There are also some regional differences too. You know, you go to the big cities and some of the cost of the care is just, just you know, it's, it's spiking. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we live in a fairly small south, southeastern town and um, city, but you know, fairly reasonably priced here, but you get into the major urban centers and, and it can get very costly very quick. I have considered sometimes, I've seen my veterinarian leave the room for a second and I think, where is she going? Oh, you know what? She, she's <laughs> calling. to read a book. <laughs> she's call, No, no, she's calling Chevrolet to let them know she can make all three of her back payments. Like, like my dog just came in, you know? <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Don't come for the car. I worked it out. Oh. <laughs> Scott's dog has an ear infection. <laughs> so... Yeah, I don't, I don't, I have to say when I'm at a bar with Jeff and someone walks up and says, oh, you took care of my animal. I'm like, oh God, <laughs> you know, <I> <laughs> which way is this going to go? Well, and now I'm yeah. divorced because we're broke. Thanks so much. <laughs> no, anyway. All right. Good. So, so Tess is third grade now. Uh, she's had diabetes for, um, is it five full years? 
Five full years. In January, it'll be in five. January, yeah. Yeah. And okay. It, okay. Yeah. Okay. So listen, I, this is a unique scenario um, because Jeff and Christian have um, techno- technology on their end. Like, peep, this is this episode is going to screw me up, guys, because everyone's always like, I want to come on with somebody else. And I'm like, no, I don't have the technology for that. I'm sorry. But, uh, you, but you have technology on your side that made it doable. Um, but most people don't. So uh, anyway, please don't send well, me a bunch of emails that say now that you can have, <laughs> like, you know, if you can settle up on your side, let me know. Um, but but what did you guys, when you first reached out, what were you thinking, like, this is what I want to talk about on the podcast? You want to well, go first? I, I guess I don't hear enough uh, from the both perspectives. I feel like, you know, what I've heard on the podcast is, one person's take and I guess in real time with someone here to fact check me and, and you know, inspire me to truth and, and goodness. Um, I feel like there's something about the the impact of this this illness on 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 couples mm-hmm. specifically. That yeah. that was kind of where my angle was. And, you know, not necessarily looking at it as a therapy session, but just kind of wanting to to get a message out that this is hard on couples and you know we we always try to paint a unified front out out in public and you know other things are going great because you don't want to go into all the you know the things that sucked about the morning or right um you know the hard times you're going through you just kind of put a, a happy face and just keep going and you know take care of the kid and and so I feel like we're we're good at that but it's just something that that we're doing that I guess I wasn't I wasn't hearing that perspective um, and I, I'm a pretty avid listener of your podcast. Thank you. I, I get I get to drive myself to work and listen to podcasts. Kristen has the kid in the car all the time. So, I do. I'm um, the primary, she, you know, caregiver for Tessa's care, and we can kind of get into that because I think how things are delegated between couples is really interesting. Yeah. And I also think, you know, the backdrop that you just sort of heard us summarize—that we were both very career-minded uh, for quite some time—and Tessa's early early years. And then when she was diagnosed, in a lot of people's view, we kind of downgraded, you know, like I switched jobs. Um, I fell into a very fortunate situation where I actually work at Tessa's school, which is elegant in so many ways. Mm-hmm. But um, but Jeff, meanwhile, has has sort of transitioned out of the emergency care work and into a day practice. And that's because we needed changes to our hours. Yeah. But then that also changed, you know, what we were bringing home. And and some of the money is like, oh, already a stressor in any relationship. So to have it feel somewhat compounded by something that was out of our control, you know, um, I just think I think that's a unique area in this. <clears throat> and then don't even get me started on insurance companies and how we have to spend time on the phone with them and. Jeff really takes on the insurance and the the medical distributor distribution and the pharmaceutical side, you know, whereas I'm doing more pod changes and um, more morning care. And then I'm at school. And so I'm the one popping in and giving her insulin to cover lunch, et cetera. So it's just a strange world a tapestry that we've woven, you know. No, no, I, I, I've said before. Um, that soon after Arden was diagnosed, we went in for – see, Arden was diagnosed when we were away on vacation. So we had to come back home and then go to uh, you know an appointment with the endo that was near our house. And after the uh, – it's funny, I almost said episode. After the appointment, 
uh, isn't that crazy? Like I'm episode stopped. one. Yeah, of yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm like, so uh, after the appointment, the doctor asked her for our kids to leave the room. She kept my wife and I behind. I've said it before, but it, it fits really well in this episode. And she says, look, you guys have to go to couples counseling. And I thought in my head, I was like, how does she, can she hear in our house? Like, how does she know that? You know? <laughs> and, um, and she's like, because you know, the instance of divorce is like one in two in America, it immediately goes to one in three. If you have a chronically ill child. Or two and three, if you have a chronically ill child. And I was like, w- my odds just got worse to stay married? And I was like, <laughs> I was already like, you know, being married is not easy. Y- y- right. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't being care. Being a parent. Yeah. Yeah. Excuse me. Being a parent's not easy. Exactly. You know, yeah. 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 Anyone who thinks mar- being married is easy hasn't been married long enough to know what they're talking about. <laughs> uh, or your spouse is woefully lying to you on some other end. Like, you're saying things and they're just, like, annoyed by you and never let you know. Uh, it does. <laughs> It does. It, it, I think it, it just takes an incredible amount of self-reflection and forgiveness between partners. I mean, on a daily, sometimes hourly basis, you know. Oh, and I mean, sure. I have, yeah. So, I mean, like, I'm not here to give relationship advice, right? Like, that's not what this is about. And, and Scott, please don't start into that world, okay? <laughs> but I would say that, you know, the trick is just not to each other. You know, that took time for us to learn, I feel like. Um, and, you know, and I'm certainly still learning this. And then the other tricks I would offer are, you know, get angry at the disease, but not at each other. It's so tempting to just want to like lash out when you're really having a, a thin day, a day where you're just struggling so much, you know? Sure. And uh, I mean, maybe one last trick would be to try to give each other breaks. But that is so hard. That is so hard. We have struggled a lot with just finding babysitters and people who can just, you know, drop in and and take care of her while we run off and, you know, just go get dinner. Yeah, anything. No, for certain. um, So it's interesting. You said we shouldn't give relationship advice and you gave some really good advice about <laughs> relationships. But I, what I was going to tell you is that nothing on this podcast is advice. So it doesn't matter. We're all good. We're covered by the disclaimer at the beginning. You can say whatever you want. I'll tell you the one thing that always kind of hits me when I'm talking about a relationship or being married. And this might be very specific to me. I have no idea. But what I find is my desire to do a good job for my wife hits me back as guilt. And so if, um, you know, if she has a bad day, I feel badly that she had a bad day. And I feel like I wish I could have done something to make it better. Or, you know, like, like, you know, or sometimes like, then I'll speak about, you know, I don't know, like, like you mentioned talking to like insurance companies, stuff like on the phone, there are days she'll come home, she'll be like, how was your day? And I'll think, um, I was on the phone for like 90 minutes trying to work something out with like insulin, you know? Uh-huh. And oh, that's a good day, 90 minutes. Yeah, yeah, right, right. And and, and <laughs> you you're, you're exhausted from it. And the minute she feels like I had a bad day, I see her go, well, today I did this. And it's almost like she wants to make sure that I know, don't worry, while you were working hard, I was working hard too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it, it's this very like, I don't know if anyone's ever had that thought before, but I, I've told people in the past, I've been at stay-at-home dad for coming up on 20 years. I don't think the television has been on while the sun has been up in my house maybe five times in that entire time. And That's great. Par- that is but great. Part of that is because of my incredible anxiety that I want to be working as hard as my wife is working. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And then when I feel like I'm not, it makes me feel badly. But then whatever <laughs> I say when I'm feeling guilty is never good for our relationship. <laughs> 
I don't know if that makes sense or not. Um, because I always start trying to justify my life. Like, don't worry, I was working. I did this. Like, and my wife, and don't get me wrong, my wife's not like walking up to me going, "Tell me what you did today." Like, make sure, like, like a time card. You, you know what I mean? Like, I don't. Yeah. It's just this feeling I have that I want to be matching her effort. Um, it takes so long, though, to even get to that level of communication where you're truly not hanging hanging things on each other. You know, like in the mornings, just as an, as an example, we're in a rush to get off to school. Tess and I, and um, Jeff will ask, "Well." I'm going to let the dogs out and we have to let the dogs out. And then he'll say, should I leave them out or do I go and get them? It's just a really small, minute little task in the morning, right? A little chore. And, and we immediately go into, no, I can't do it. Yes, I can do it. No, I can't do it because I might've had a pod change that morning and that might've taken an extra 25 or 30 minutes. And, you know, yeah. Friendly tip, if there's an Omnipod chain due that morning, I should just go get the dog. <laughs> yeah, or just, you know, you pick up the slack on those days when you have more of a challenge, I guess. It's a kind of an obvious statement, but it, I do think that in a podcast, having it explicitly said is is important. Well, I also think that what's obvious when you're intellectualizing about things is not what's obvious when you're in the moment. And I will bring to light a video that my wife showed me online the other day that's, you know, Uh, somebody pretended to be like Mike Myers or something like that. And this woman comes into her house with her three kids and he jumps out at them and, you know, scares the, the holy hell out of everybody. (laughs) But in the, but then didn't stop. Like the person in the mask holding the knife, trying to scare these people persisted. It wasn't like boo. And then showed themselves. (laughs) He went after them. The woman abandoned her three children and ran away. Right, And so, what co- okay so the oxygen mask a little too far yeah, yeah well so she's like oh i can make more kids i gotta go you, you know so um but but you know what you if we sat around and talked about it oh if an intruder came into our house what i would do is i'd collect up my children and i would yeah what she did was she went i don't want to die and she took off wow. <laughs> and so yeah. I, I think it is i think that it is worth saying those things out loud because in the moment it's hard to remember that stuff I think, I mean, you just hit the nail on the head with just even talking about that video, because one of the things I have my studious little notes right here is talking about confrontation versus distancing. You know, it is the flight or fight or flight response that when you're under stress, which I don't know a lot of T1D parents who aren't under just sort of a persistent low lying kind of, (laughs) I have this, I'm looking at, I'm plugged into this and I'm looking at this constantly. You know, that's where I, I feel like that confrontation or that distancing is is how you're going to cope, how you're going to cope. And lucky for Jeff and, and I, I feel like we do lean in. We decide to confront mm-hmm. rather than distance ourselves. And and maybe there's a different way to say that. Maybe with not such the negative feeling of what a confrontation can be, maybe it's a form of problem solving but when you are in the moment and you've got like three things happening and then her blood sugar decides to drop, you know, it does begin to have a kind of, um, I don't know, we just have better outcomes when we, we can just get really clear. It might be, I've thought about this, that Jeff's emergency background has really helped us quite a bit in navigating her care because he can just be so clear and so concise because that's how an emergency room setting is. You know, yeah. and, and it's so that's helped us. But then, yeah, it kind of it could take away some of the glow, you know, <laughs> some, some of the warm feelings in the home when we're just, you know, treating everything so directly. 
Well, so yeah, we've learned we've learned a few things. Yeah, <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. Kelly taught me was, and it kind of ties into what you just said. There's so much happening all the time, and you sort of have this like low level awareness of the blood sugar. Not, I'm better at it now. I, like, quite honestly, yeah. I am. And a lot of this podcast comes from my desire to not want to think about it constantly. Seeing mm-hmm. seeing how psychologically. Uh, improper that is to understand what's happening constantly with someone's blood sugar. So if I can trust that what I know is going to happen is going to happen, then I can stop wondering Mm -hmm. about if it's going to happen. But when it used to be in my mind constantly, sort of just in the back of my head, but other things were happening, I used to need a, um, like a clean break from reality to go think about diabetes. And I used to just say, when something went wrong, but I would say it out loud, like you know, you know, you'd be moving along, trying to do dinner, uh, beep beep, and then I'd right. stop myself and turn and go do the diabetes thing. What I didn't realize was, is my wife found that really negative, and mm. and she's and so she said to me, she's like, I can't when you do that, it makes me upset, mm. and I'm like, oh, I'm just trying to break my reality and then go do this thing and then go back to it. And she's like, yeah, from from our side. It doesn't, it, it's not doing what you think it's doing. It, it might be doing it for you, but it's not doing that for us. And so it took me months to stop myself from just, I had built up a tiny little habit around it. And, mm-hmm. and I realized that to them, it looked dramatic and like I was upset or worried or it was bothering me. And it never felt like that to me. I was just stopping myself. And I know that's weird, but that was my personal thing. And then luckily she said something to me or I'd probably still be doing it. Is is that an effort to just keep everything, you know, that you never get away from it, so you just always keep it there? Or do well, you, are you able to get away from it a little bit, and then you're saying that that's what, that's what you're objecting to is, the, you know, oh, crap, i got to go do this thing now. And no, I've just- it wasn't an objection for me. It was like a separation. So, like, I feel – I don't – I am one of those people that if I'm in a room and I'm cooking dinner and you and Kristen are off in the corner having a conversation that's kind of meant for everybody – and the television's on, I know what you two are saying to each other, I know what I'm doing, I know what I'm thinking, and I know what's happening on the television. Hmm. And that's just been how my brain's worked my whole life. Omni-aware. So, <laughs> so, yeah, well, so what I need is, I need like a bubble of silence around me so that I can stop and think about the diabetes. Because back then, it wasn't the same as it is now for me. Now I'm telling you, I just look at the at the graph and I go, okay, here's what I need to do. And it and it comes to me very quickly. But back then, I needed silence to kind of just wrap my mind around everything that was happening with the diabetes, so that I could try to make a good decision. So that and, and, that curse yeah. was what broke the noise for me and and created a space. And we share that in a way too. You know, sometimes we'll do a handoff and say, you know what, I'm going to take a break tonight. You 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 watch the numbers tonight. But most often, we're both aware all the time. And you know, whether I've been there all day or they're just getting home, it's Usually like, okay, it's time for me to step in, take a quick look at the graph, you know, listen to what she wants to eat and then kind of pick it up from there. So, yeah. you know, we don't, we have different approaches a little bit. So it's not even just the care is kind of like it, it, it changes based on whether it's something you're processing, I'm processing, whether we go through it, you know, often when we're together, we'll make a decision together. And I'm sure Tess is tired of hearing us like argue about whether we're going to do the a 35% extend or a 44, 45% extend. <laughs> right. um, well, well, uh, yeah. Prior to the technology, when we handed off, it was, it was arduous because you'd be like, okay, listen, 
At three o'clock, she ate this. At two o'clock, we injected the Lantus or the Levamir went in at 8 a.m. Right. Like you gave this, like it was like a nurse leaving her shift. Yeah. And, right. And now, because of the technology, now because the pump knows this is the last time I bolus this, how much it was. And you can see on the graph what's going on. There's sometimes something to say, like, hey, she's been. You know, there's. I feel like there's been some insulin resistance today, or you know what, she hasn't needed as much today as she does normally, or you know, make sure you pre-bolus because my wife is um, not the greatest pre-boluser, right? Like, so sometimes I'll say that, but I even had to learn how to say, "Don't forget to pre-bolus," without saying, "Hey, Kelly, you suck at pre-bolusing." Exactly. So, right, and even though That's I never it. used those words, my tone yeah. was, my tone was. You know you're going to forget the free pre-bolus and mess this whole thing up, so please remember that. But now I just – I found a better way to do it. And it's funny because the way my wife got me to be better at it was she would say, pretend I'm on that podcast and talk to me like that. Uh-huh. And and I was like, oh, because I am different here than I am at home. I'm I'm – I get reviews of people like, I love how direct you are on the podcast. And I laugh because – you have no idea how direct I am. <laughs> like th- this is uh, this is me at like with kid gloves. Oh my god, this is like me at like twenty percent. Y- y- you know, and yeah. I am I, and I'm jokey. It's so mm-hmm. I can joke right into something serious. Sometimes I stop and I'm like, okay, I meant the first part. The second part was a joke. <laughs> the third part is the pre bolus. I'm very sorry I blended all that together. Uh, you, you know and. and so I am this podcast, you know, you hear me say all the time, like how great it's been for me because I get to go over the diabetes stuff over and over again, but it's also good for me for communication, you know, mm-hmm. for, for me staying kind of centered and calm when people come on who are from further South, like you guys are North Carolina. That's not a real Southern place anymore. Um, I'm sorry, because of all the people who have been moving in, you have a nice blend. I didn't mean right, it wasn't a sure. Southern place. Please don't stop listening if you're in North Carolina. Uh, but <laughs> But it's got it's got so many people from so many different places that to you I don't speak that fast. But when we get a little more south, I actually have to try to slow myself down while I'm talking. And well, I'll take that as a compliment. No, please. And and not that people who speak slower are you know shouldn't be complimented. I actually find the way they speak really lovely. I just can't I can't make myself do it. And and when they start speaking slower, there's a small mind, like a little voice in the back of my head that is yelling in my ear, why won't they go faster? And, <laughs> and, and I'm trying to be, and I'm yelling back at the little voice in my head, no, no, stop it. This is good. Slow down. Uh, anyway, there's a whole podcast going on in my head while we're doing this. Uh, but my wife helps me constantly. Listen, I am not, I'm 48 years old. Had I not met my wife, I don't know what kind of a mess I'd be right now. Like, honestly, I'd still be 22 mm. in my mind, I think. You, you know, I, I say all the time my wife is killing me with her demands. But but of the things that we should be doing and should be accomplishing and what the kids need and what life should be, all of that stuff. Like, there's a little boy inside of me who's like, why won't she shut up and just let us have fun, mm. right? But the uh, the mature father and adult in me that that really does want to grow knows that without her, I don't grow. Well, I find your situation interesting because when I give a cursory look at research and things, different articles, medical journals, they say that most of the caregiving is done by the mother, right? Yeah. That's primarily what's happening in the household. And then I've also read that 
um, somewhere between a quarter to half of all T1D mothers are experiencing some form of anxiety or depression or something called um, morbidity syndrome, mm-hmm. or there's PTSD. And, you know, it's so true. You're just already under some duress and pressure for all the tasks that you perform for T1D. But then in addition to that is just being the regular parent and just being the regular wife. And, you know, and so I think there are just classic responses to how we how we deal with stress and how we deal with vulnerability. And those are going to assert, they're going to come up in your relationship somehow. And I, you know, I don't have all the answers, but I, I definitely think that that just being able to say that depression can be present in the T1D home is something we have to we have to grab onto, just grab by both horns and say, you know, don't be afraid to admit that you're dealing with that kind of stuff because so, it can it can really help your relationship to go and get help and get support. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, well, you outlined something that's amazing. So the rest of my story about that first doctor's appointment when she says, you know, it's two and three who get divorced. After she okay. gave us the statistics, she looks at my wife square in the face and says, the men don't handle it well when their children don't turn out the way they expect. And Whoa. I actually was like, yo, I'm standing right here. Like, like, <laughs> could she have not written that on a piece of paper and slipped it to her or something like that? You they know? also don't like being talked about. Well, right yeah. Well, yeah. And I was like, wow. And then, but my wife laughed and she goes, oh, you have our situation all wrong. She goes, I'll leave way before he will. And, 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 and it, <laughs> it broke a laugh. And, and my wife said, no, no, seriously. She's like, Scott's a caregiver. Like, like there's a reason he's not, she left. She goes, he's not staying home because he couldn't get a job. We made this decision consciously. <laughs> and, right. and, and, and so, and, and that goes to my background and, it, you know, I, I've mentioned here before on the podcast that, you know, I think that some of the reason why I can talk about this diabetes, which is at a high level, but in a very kind of real way is because I'm an adopted person. I am a, a fairly bright person who was adopted by some very nice middle-class people. And so I'm this very strange blend of uneducated, but my brain has the capacity. Um, But at the same time, I know how to talk to people. I know how people like to be spoken to and how regular people interact with each other. Um, And so that I think helps the podcast. But then I think the next thing that helps is the stay at home dad like aspect of it, because I'll go out on a limb here because I'm, you know, I don't want to jinx myself, but I have two very normal, mellow, reasonable, nice kids. And there have been times while I've been raising them where I've seen, wow, in this scenario, that thing you just talked about a little while ago, Kristen, that whatever that wire is that goes right from your uterus and your ovaries to your brain that (laughs) makes women like look at their kids and fear for their entire life every time they look at them, you know, right? uh, I don't have that. Mm -hmm. So when something like that happens, I'm just like, you know, get up. It's okay. Or, you know, the other, you know, six, seven months ago when we started, uh, you know, we went to the loop and, um, and I put it on Arden. She goes, is this going to kill me? And I went, probably not. And then we both <laughs> laughed and walked away from each other. And, and like, and yeah. so that's something that's a, a comfort she has from my parenting style. And I genuinely meant it when I said, probably not. I thought, no, I probably won't. And I never thought about it again. And so my wife would would stand there and stare at it forever thinking, this is my mortal job on this planet to make sure that that kid is not just fine, but 100% happy and 
gets as far as they can in life. And whatever that anxiety is that you poor women have after you make a baby, because I didn't, I didn't notice it before I got her pregnant, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, so um, whatever that is, I don't have it. And mm-hmm. so it allows me to be a little looser and a little calmer in those scenarios, I think. And I didn't mean calm in a reductive way. I just mean that there's not, I'm not being poked in the brain with something that's yelling, oh my God, oh my God, go save that kid. Yeah, you my know. parenting style would actually mirror that of, of yours a bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I would say that actually after you've seen a low or after you've been through some of the initial trauma of diagnosis, you just toughen up, you know. And so now I'm 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 the parent, like it's certainly around my friends and in other circles where they're just like, you let her do what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like. I mean, so you, you, I think, I think T1D does have the ability to, to make you a tougher individual. And, and I think other people actually look at me sometimes and I don't know what they think, but I know that when we're out with friends and Jeff and I are speaking in code, okay, 30% basal increase and (laughs) 0.4 and, you know, yelling at each other from other rooms or something just to take care of the, the T1D stuff. Um, I, I just wonder what they must look at us. They, th- sometimes they, they're just aghast at <laughs> like what we have to deal with. But then, you know, and other times those friends of mine probably think that I can just handle anything. And I'm just here to say I'm, I can't. Right. I can't handle everything, it's you fun. know. And, and so my truest friends understand that and know that. And, and they're, will, they're willing to learn enough to do an overnight with mm-hmm. Tess or, you know, to have that level of communication in place. I always um, think of it as perspective. Like, mm-hmm. like you know, it's, you don't have real perspective until, you've, until somebody has said to you, hey, inject this into your kid. If you give them too much, right. they might die. Uh, yeah. but, but if you don't give it to them, they're going to die. And you go, oh, okay. And then your perspective is adjusted. And yes. it keeps happening every day. Like you said, you know, I say stuff on this podcast all the time that I don't know how it strikes people the first time they hear it. The one thing that I'm sad about about the podcast is that I can't force you to listen to it in order. Because right. because it grows as I grow. The ideas grow as I grow. And if you're really to hear those ideas in order, you know, it, it's helpful. Because you don't want to jump in in episode 150 when the first time you hear me say like, oh, you know, sometimes you got to look at a 57 blood sugar and have the balls to just stare at it for a couple of minutes. Uh-huh. And, right, right. But you do, except out of context, that may not be great advice. Um, but in context and in the timeline, you would understand it. Um, but I think that that perspective, it, I've seen it build in me over years. And it really is a shame it really is a shame that we die when we get older because we really are just starting <laughs> to get good at it. You, you know what I mean? It, it, it's very true. Um, but but you said something a minute ago that it's funny. I used to feel that I don't feel anymore, and it made me wonder if one day you won't too. You said something about what, what Jeff and I have to go through. And I don't think of diabetes as something I go through anymore, but I used to. Mm. I wonder how much of that is age related because I st- I feel like you know she's getting older. This is, we're getting closer and closer to to narrowing the communication to where she's going to take over a lot of that. But as we are right now, she's not really doing anything on that level for herself. It's still all us. And so I wonder, just you know, as as she gets to be a year, two years older, do do we start to round that corner a little bit and and you know at least give ourselves an inhale. <laughs> And, I, and I, you know, hand, I, hand that off. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I think that's a that's a, a great insight. Is that as they get older, 
they take on a little more of it. But but we, what I think you'll learn is there really isn't more of it to take on. It's just that you worry about it less. Mm. Because day after day after day after day, nothing goes really wrong. And so, you know, when I tell people it gets easy, I don't mean, you know, nuts and bolts gets easy. Like diabetes is always diabetes. But decisions need to be made and all of a sudden you just know what the answer is. That's that's like a great situation. Like, you know, like, oh, this happened. I bolused for dinner and they didn't eat this. Or or lately Arden hasn't been eating. There's like a bread product in with her her lunch. And mm-hmm. very much lately she's like, oh, by the way, I didn't eat this. And I'm like, oh, that's where most of the carbs was. <laughs> you, you know, yeah. and, and, and I just go, okay, do this and this and that. And then it'll be fine. Like I know how to take the insulin away to make that not a problem. Clean up after that. But prior, you know, years before, I would have been like, well, drink a juice and I guess go to the, you know, you know go stand next to a cop and find an ambulance and like, <laughs> like, I just, just wait for death, I guess. And then, you yeah. know, like, and, and now I'm just like, that's fine. We'll just dial this back and dial that back. And maybe in about an hour and a half, you might need to hit a half a juice box, but we won't know till then. Let's wait and see what this does. Wow. Yeah. When I first started listening to the podcast and I was hearing you, you know, describe Arden's A1C is in the fives and we just got into the sixes and we're just in our fifth year, you know? So it, it, it's like every arc, every, everyone's situation is a little bit different and you're not going to believe this, but Jeff just looked at his phone and she's 79 with an arrow down. So we might have to pause for a second <laughs> and talk to our teacher. <laughs> well, here's the thing. You can pause if you want to, okay. but I'd, I'd love you to stay on the microphone while you're doing it because <laughs> right, that's pu- good. So what are you going to do for like, so you're going to send a text to a teacher? Yes. I mean, they're eating lunch, not for another hour. So she definitely needs either gummies or I think she has like a granola bar or something like that in her. And her is the mouth. plan to hit her with enough carbs to catch this without making her high or will you, yes. will you yeah. trim basil too, or how will you handle it? Tess is drifting down a bit as his text to her. I mean, just even a juice box. A juice box. There's one in her cubby. Um, <laughs> your your text. Tess is drifting down a bit. You're so nice. I would be like, yo, stop everything. My kids get. My kids trying to die in the middle of English. Okay, so hold yeah, on a second. Exactly. Um, and now, do you test in this scenario? Well, well, so- usually Kristen's at school, so this is where she would be handling this. Way to um, go, Kristen. Yeah, we'll talk about relationships. We're actually in our house by ourselves. We're, <laughs> there is that. We're, we're in a school where there's no school nurse, so it, it's the teachers or Kristen, and and so really, um, you know, Kristen actually got her job through through this condition because she was hanging out a lot when Tess was, was in pre, pre-K. And... I mean, I was commuting sometimes 45 minutes to, to mm-hmm. another town outside of Asheville, and when she was diagnosed, I was like, well, that's the end of that, you know, and... So I doubled down on being with her and and Jeff pays the mortgage with his job. And I was hanging out in the hallways. I've heard so many of your podcasts where like moms are like peeking over outside. Yeah, yeah, like garden, garden walls and things and being like, (laughs) I have to give my kid insulin, you know, but so I was that person for a time um, while the teachers were getting kind of up on their feet about it. And, and so then the director came out and said, Hey, what's your background? And I was like, well, funny, you should ask. <laughs> I'm whatever you need that, you know, that I don't need yeah. to drive back and forth exactly. to this. Jeff, by the way, I don't know if you caught it a moment ago, but you're going to have sex after this. Did you know that? <laughs> Kristen just realized you guys are home alone. And, and, and you know, those things 
just go right past him. Don't lie. Don't lie to us right now, Kristen. That's what you were thinking, right? No. So it's just that we're never home alone. Dude, this dude, is you only have to try situation. a little bit, man, and you're going to get laid after this. I'm just telling you. Oh my gosh, you can't put that on the podcast. I don't know. I think I can. <laughs> Although, right. you know, the other day I saw online the the most just wonderful thing a mom put up this little note that said that she was driving in a car talking to the person in the front seat and her six year old shushed them <laughs> holding a phone like a cell phone with the little speaker at the bottom jammed into her ear and she said be quiet I'm listening to the Juice Box podcast wow and I was like oh my god my demographic is all over the place <laughs> get that kid some earbuds <laughs> yeah so I don't know does a six year old know what that means I maybe I'll bleep it out but anyway Jeff I'm saying you really should put some effort into this when this is over is what I'm getting at but not that's in the basement fair. wherever you are right although unless that's what you're up to I don't you know, so I'm, the I'm teacher judging. has no. responded and she's giving the juice <laughs> I got the big old thumbs up okay yeah so, so what are, so what, is, what did you tell juice. them to do is it's gonna be well, juice you know this is a situation where we really don't want her going low Kristen's not on hand. Um, her teacher doesn't usually, um, she's not usually running the show as far as the, the PDM goes and all that. So we don't really have that as an option to, to slow down the insulin. So in this case, because we're here and um, we're trying to keep communications pretty succinct, we mm. just went for the juice box. Juice box. I think that's, I think that's smart. I think the juice box, if it's 15 carbs, at her, what does she weigh? Like 45, 50 pounds? No, she's over 50 now. 50 pounds, yeah. It'll probably, I bet you that cuts the arrow out. I bet you it hits around 70, hangs, and drifts mm-hmm. and drifts back up. Does that sound like what you expect? That, that sounds about right. That sounds right. It's, it's been a real slow drift down that we've been watching. Um, actually, didn't even watch it for a while, but I felt like I should do the right thing and take a look at the number. Um, and they're not eating lunch for another hour is the other thing. There. It's perfect. Yeah. And you know what the great thing about this is for people listening, that even if this juice box ends up being too much, Jeff can pre-bowl us a little earlier to cut some of the number out before the food. So there's a way here to balance being more aggressive with the juice right now for safety and for comfort because we're recording. And at the same time, not let it get out of hand or cause another low before the meal. Sure. Right. Something that we're going to have to chase double arrows up or right, anything. Right, I, yeah. I don't feel like it's going to be that. Yeah, uh, we're in that classic pattern. I don't know. It feels like classic to us anyway because it's so routine that she'll, she, her biggest art, her biggest numbers are right over breakfast. And, you know, we are just so bored with breakfast. So <laughs> listeners out there, if you have any ideas on like what kind, because, you know, obviously the better the protein in the breakfast, the better the morning in terms of blood sugars. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're sick of eggs, sick of bacon, <laughs> sick of, you know, turkey and yourself. everything else. <laughs> no kidding. No, well, how are yeah. you with the other stuff? Like, can you... So she'll have pretty decent afternoons is what we find. Um, we don't, I don't know. I think you're asking, do we restrict anything? Is it? I'm saying, uh, I'm saying like if I gave her three pancakes, would you, like, can you handle that or, or is it, are you not up to that yet? We have to think about that, you know, obviously and get ahead of it. But yeah, we've done that. And, and usually that's on the weekends when we're, you know, have the time for it. Mm-hmm. A little bit of powwow back and forth. And usually we can flatten that line pretty, pretty well. Yeah. I'll tell yeah. you too, like when you were speaking earlier about what happens when she gets older, what happens when she gets older is you can miss on a breakfast and her, she's on her way to school and then send her a text and be like, hey, bowl us more. Yeah. And, and it, it's not this whole thing where it goes through the teacher. Because I, I wonder, because I felt like I heard it in your voice a second ago, Jeff, because I have this feeling too. You don't want to involve the teacher unless you have to because you don't want to, like, you don't want that light shined on her, right? Right. 
Yeah, it's well, just, we already know that there's a, you know, her alarm is set at 90 at school, which, you know, maybe we should go a little lower, but they're probably already hearing that and, and just wondering, what do we do? You know, we've basically ingrained it that, you know, it's the lows that we're worried about. Right. Do they right. wait for so, you? On, is, is there ever a time that they pop up and do something on their own or is it always in conjunction with you? If, if Tess feels low and she feels her lows more and more and she actually is, is taken to guessing her number. Like she woke up the other day and she was like, I feel like I'm 93 and even, but maybe a soft arrow down. And I was like, wow. <laughs> and, and she was right on. She was, she nailed it. I'm a fan. Um, I'm a fan of that. I, I used to do that with Arden too, like to try to teach her how she felt. And, right. You know what I mean? Because if you do it enough times, and it's tough too, because then the other side of it is, I always tell her, the way you feel is not important. You know, it's the number. Sure. It's the number, the direction, or the speed, um, because you can feel great and not have a great blood sugar. We had a. Um, she went to a homecoming football game the other night, and. No lie, the whole day is going great. Blood sugars are fantastic. And I'm telling my wife, I'm like, this I'm like, is going to be wonderful. We can drop her off at this football game and we can go to dinner or something and it's going to be fantastic. And took her to the game, dropped her off, and the CGM just, it, it, it was done. It died. And it was right mm -hmm. up on, it was right up on the end. And I thought, oh, it'll make it till she gets home, you know? And then it didn't. So now she's there, no CGM. So um, I said to her, I'm like, you need to test because... You know, now the CGM's not working, so now the loop's not working, the loop's open. I'm like, I think you're going to go up based on what happened before. And she said, no, no, I'm fine. And I was like, no, no, I hmm. bet you're not. And so she tested, and she goes, oh, you know what, I'm 220. And I was like, oh, yeah, see, because now all of a sudden, you know, all the all of our tech's gone out of nowhere. So we, bol yeah. we bolused really aggressively. And I was like, so we're going to test again, you know, probably in 45 minutes. Right. And, um, and then we texted back and forth. We got her home, put on a new... You know, CGM and you know she went to bed around midnight and everything was fine but um, it just was it was that expectation like I have this it's so easy I know what to do and this is how we'll handle it and then it just all, it all fell, away apart, fell apart for a couple and hours. we're back in the wild west yeah 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 you, you made me just think how on earth do people do this solo parenting I mean and I'm not saying that like I like uh, I have some kind of I have complete empathy, like just such deep concern and empathy for, you know, we're, we're a duo. And, and when she is at home on the weekends or we have a vacation or her outcomes are much better when we're together and mm -hmm. we're both troubleshooting. Um, and so while I get a, a sense for what that must be like, because I am the primary caregiver throughout most of the day, um, it still just must be very difficult for a single parent trying to manage this or a parent who maybe there's a custody uh, share or something like that, where you have to kind of transition, like you were saying, those nurse notes, you know, like you got to kind of end your shift with the kid and then hand them over to, to that other person. It just, I can't imagine. I think that would be a really interesting perspective to, to get a hold of. Yeah. Well, I think that's, I think that's certainly true. And I also certainly think that it's true that there are plenty of married people who in, when it comes to diabetes and sort of other things in their life are single parents to begin with as well, because people see things as their job or your job, right. which I don't buy into. And interestingly enough, Kristen, you might not have a ton of appreciation for it, looking at your life from the inside out, but Jeff's a vet. So he's probably a fairly compassionate person. <laughs> you would think right seriously right so you know like my father would just have like 
been looked at my mom and been like, you wanted kids. You, you know what I mean? Like, and then that would have been it. And I think a lot yeah. of guys are like that. You, you know, like that's not my job. I went to work already today. You take care of those kids or vice yeah. or vice versa. Like, you know, in a household where even a woman's working full time and the man's at home, it'd be very easy for them to say, look, that's not my thing. I did my thing already today. And well, I, I think a lot of people, that. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people uh, live with that. I think there's a lot of people nodding their heads right now thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. My guy don't really do much. Maybe Scott's endo was right when he, you know, you know, back then. And it sucks because there's plenty of people aren't there's plenty of guys right now. Like, yo man, I'm, you know, it's 2019 and it's a, it's a team effort and I'm in on it too. But I think both of those scenarios exist. Yeah. You know, and I agree with you. What, what do you do? When someone suddenly, like you talked earlier about the anxiety of, you know, being in charge of what it feels like is keeping someone alive constantly. Like I used to explain it when I was really in the middle of it still, and I really didn't have a handle on it. I would tell people, I feel like someone told me that I have to consciously say, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out, or I'll suffocate. Mm. Like, do you know what I mean? Or Or that I have to remind my heart to beat every... 20 seconds or yeah, if I, you know, there, I, that's how it there felt. was a day when Tess was old enough to go to summer camp for the first time. She was five. So we were still only diagnosed about a year and that was summer camp. And it was, it was a total turning of the tables in terms of her day. And she had three lows in one day, which I don't, I don't know the averages for other people, but that just felt that day was just, it just stood in my mind as like now life is changed now, you know, um, and, and I guess that was the same summer that she had the CGM for the first time. I think that's right. Um, and so just that awareness, that pushing back of the curtains and seeing what's going on all of the time with the technology and that she had three lows. I, I remember distinctly just being in the car and driving and being like, I have to breathe. Like this should be illegal. Like <laughs> I should not be allowed to drive right now while I'm this like hopped up on the fact that my kid had three lows today, you know? Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> well how much, how much of, well, first of all, earlier you said this, you know, I have to be somewhere by 1230. Is that going to be enough time? Now I realize I'm yeah. going to probably end up keeping it to whatever minute you have to leave. But, um, what has the your time with diabetes taught you? Because it's funny when you talk about she went to a, a day camp and had lows. My brain jumps to oh, it's a shame because you didn't know how to like manage her basal insulin so that she wouldn't get low in a scenario like that. And right. and and most people don't really right like they you know they set up their basal insulin to work in most scenarios. And then you hear people say, oh, exercise is completely impossible. I can't do this or I can't do that. And it's just because they have too much insulin happening and they don't think about it like that. But do you think about it like that now? Like if that scenario popped up today with the knowledge you have today, would do you think the three lows would have happened? Um, well, she still has we, – we get on jags. You know, if, if she drops, she goes up. And then she comes back down and I mean, I'll still, yeah, I can say that I still don't have it as even Steven as I would like it, mm-hmm. but, but there are some, some techniques, some, like you're saying the basil and the, uh, you know, some other things that we do now that has created 
many more better outcomes. So I, it's hard for me to... But, but I think what you were saying with that, if I may speak for you, I don't want, wish to, and tell me if I'm wrong, um, is, is just that you were talking about when she went to camp and that that was a big difference from the day-to-day routine. And, and so, you know, what is diabetes taken from us or from Tess? It's a little bit of, <clears throat> she has to be with people that, that know enough about it that, that yeah. they can step in and do something. Otherwise, you know, we're relying on the technology from a little bit of a distance and then kind of dialing it in. Hey, can you give her this juice box without ever really explaining or, or you know, having her in the care of someone that totally gets it? Now, there are a few people, a few teachers that have really taken initiative to learn about it. And, and when she was in those classes, felt great about, you know, we don't need to watch it every minute because they're going to take care of this. But um, in terms of the nuts and bolts, we still have never really had that handoff where maybe we had 24 hours, you know, away in all of this time oh, since she's you, been diagnosed. Right. And, and otherwise, it's either Kristen or myself in charge. And there's never been a moment really where we've said, OK, hand off and someone else make these decisions. And, and I mean, I'm, I guess that's probably pretty typical, but it's really I, I guess I feel for, for Tess in a way because we've sheltered her somewhat, like we've had her in an environment where either Kristen's right there or, you know, we're all together or, you know, she and I are together, but never just like kind of going off grid, so to speak, Jeff, and, she, and just being able to manage it. That, that'll stop. And she won't remember yeah. it that way. Yeah. Well, she's, she's not going to think of it as you lording over her when she was little. She's going to think of it as my family was always together. You, you, you know, like it's not, it's not, she doesn't have your perspective. Well, yeah. I see the upsides of that, but like, for yeah. example, grandparents, for example, they, they, they are super apprehensive about one-on-one time with her without us being either right there or, you know, available to respond right, right on a moment. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that's... that's taken from her. I feel like, you know, they, they, they see the diabetes and then they see the granddaughter. We see the the kid and then the diabetes is kind of second to that. But I feel like maybe just that one segment. I, I feel like her friends accept her as a person that has diabetes, not as a condition. Well, um, but I feel like, you know, there, there's some people that could otherwise be step in and, and have a, a role to play that I feel like this condition is kind of loomed a little bit large and it, it's, it's difficult to, to get the right information to them. And we're still gonna... tender. I mean, we're five years into it. So it's kind of the spot where we're still tender about what we're learning and how we're dealing with it. And we're, we're hardening up to like, you know, the future of, of her managing so much more of it and, and it not being so much of a thing. I mean, I can tell where my stress level has gone down over, over the course of the last year or so. Um, but in terms of grandparents and in terms of extended family, which is certainly another aspect of relationship to get into, you know, we both have parents on either side of us that also have medical conditions. So a lot of that is, um, I'm like what I like to call my Oreo years where (laughs) I'm like in the middle, you know, my mom is, is having some issues and then I have a daughter. And so who knew that I was, I was really going to have to perfect this thing called caregiving. But, um, but, I don't know how, how, how that plays a part, but maybe you could share with us, Scott, when Arden was younger, did you have someone, another figure in her life that could just come in and, 
and take care of things and let you and your wife go out or go and travel or what have you? Oh, I don't think you're going to like my answer. My answer is <laughs> it's, it's no, of course not. And, yeah. and, and at the same time, um, I, I didn't see that as a particularly bad thing. So, so I have a little bit of perspective on this that maybe other yeah. people don't. So I, well, it certainly is a luxurious position of mine, you uh, know, to, to want to go off. Yeah. No, no. And I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to go out. And I'm not saying that I'm saying that first of all, I'm a, I'm a no person. Like I, I work backwards from no. So my, so any question (laughs) that's brought to me starts at no, like, can we buy a sofa? No, of course not. We can't afford that. How would we buy a sofa? And then maybe like 10 steps into it, I'll think, ah, you know, we probably could, but I, and I don't trust people either in scenarios like this. I trust people fine in other ways, but I'm also the kind of person who's like, School nurse, if they were really a good nurse, would they be a nurse at school? Like, I don't know that that's even true. It's just where my, my no, like, and I'm not disparaging school nurses. What I'm saying is that I always start at what's wrong. And so I decided at some point, like, we're going to be the ones to take care of this. And one day it won't be like that. But the other thing that I have going for me is that I had a moment in my life when Kelly had started working and I had started staying home with Cole. And he was maybe like a year and a half old or something. And I was doing great. Like, I really felt like I was. Like, he was safe and fed and, you know, learning to crawl and walk. And I was feeding him and going grocery shopping and kept the house clean. But it was all very much like I was just doing the things that I felt like I was supposed to be doing. And I realized one day, like, this is not what my wife would be doing. That she would just sort of know organically what this kid needed and what would make his life better. And I felt like she was more in tune because she was his mom and that I had to find a way to be more in tune with it. And more importantly, that I needed to find a way to take joy in taking care, take joy out of taking care of him. Like I couldn't look at him as a job or a burden or something that I was like forced into doing. I had to want to do it every day. And that when I wanted to do it, when I let go of the other things that I thought I was supposed to be doing with my life, I realized these things are just as wonderful and fulfilling as something else that I thought I was going to do. I really wanted to write a book. And then I realized I'm not going to do that. I'm taking care of him. I'm raising Cole. And it's funny. I wrote a book one day. You, you know what I mean? And One and day? I, well, I, well <laughs> right. it took six months, but one day I got to write right. a book. And it was 13 years after I let go of the idea that I really did want to write a book one day. Mm. And so – but. In now sitting here 20 years later, as my son's 20, my life is completely wonderful. And I enjoyed all that stuff that prior to having that thought, I saw as work and a job and stuff I didn't really want to be doing. So I wonder if the goal isn't to just stop seeing the diabetes as a job and just start seeing it as something that exists in your life that you can find joy in. And then you get to let that go. And then instead of fighting against it, it's just, it's, I don't know, it, it, it propels you instead of drags you down. And, and my, my other thought about the grandparents thing was this, what if you pull them aside and unburden them? Just tell them, look, this thing is way more complex than you may be able to imagine. And I feel like you're worried about tests and we appreciate that. But the truth is, no matter how much you worry about it, you're not going to be able to figure this out. So just let it go. We'll take mm. care. Of it. We'll take care of it. You don't worry about it. Like give them the, give them the permission not to act like parents around her when it comes to diabetes. I wonder if yeah. that would work. 
I think I think we have in so many words, but just being that clear could be very useful. Um, yeah. Interesting. I, listen, that was great. Great advice. No, but nothing you hear <laughs> on the Juicebox oh, no podcast advice. is nothing advice. Stop advice. it. What are you doing? You're trying to get us kicked <laughs> off the internet? Um, no, so, listen, I told my mom yesterday. My mom's in her mid 70s and she likes to go to the gym, but she doesn't drive. So, she takes sort of like a service that drives her back and forth. And she told me she really wants to go to the gym three times a week, but she can only afford to go twice. And I said, Can you really only afford to go twice? And she's like, Well, no, I'm saving for Christmas and birthdays. And I said, Mom, listen to me. You want to give my kids a great Christmas present? Come to the house on Christmas and tell them what great health you're in because you're going to the gym three times a week. Yeah. And explain to them that you're really sorry, but you have a card and a hug and a kiss and a well wish for them, but not a hundred dollar gift card, which by the way, they don't need anyway. And and you use that money to go to the gym on Friday. And my mom tried to fight back. Well, I liked it. I was like, I don't care. Stop it. I was like, take care of yourself first. And and don't worry about us. We're okay. And and I I realize that that's information I'm probably telling myself for the future as much as I'm telling her for now because I know how I think about my kids and I wonder how much I'm going to be able to let go of that idea that they don't need me when they get older. You, you know, mm. so mm. I don't know. I just think there's a cycle in there. Like a good, you can't break a parent from being a parent, but maybe you could at least give them the permission to let it go for an hour. Sure. And tell them, look, I don't want you to see Tess as diabetes and that's happening. Um, because it, I used to do it with Arden. Arden used to walk in the door from school and I'd be like, what's your blood sugar? The first thing I would say to her. And then one day I was like, I can't do that. Like, mm-hmm. no matter how much I'm concerned or worried or care, it, I'm doing more harm to her by asking that than would be done to her if she dropped over in front of me and needed a juice. So, yeah. you know, don't, you have, um, she's a nutritionist who is also a nurse on a couple of your episodes. Jenny. Jenny, excuse me. Um, And so the other thing I wouldn't mind talking about briefly, it it is kind of getting away from the relationship stuff, is what do you, have you heard or seen anything around um, uh, eating uh, disorders? And so one thing, like you talk about, we talk about the diabetes so much, we certainly do, but I'm even more worried that at dinner time, I'm always like, well, what did you eat? Or what's missing? Or what did you have? And so we have such a focus on the food that I'm, you know, she's eight right now. So she's coming into those preteen years and I just want to get ahead of it in terms of just hoping that I'm doing everything right to get her to have the right mindset about food. (laughs) No, so I completely agree with you and I want to talk about it, but Arden's blood sugar just took a weird turn and she's sleeping. So I'm going to go for a second um, and I'll be back in like 90 seconds. I'm going to give you guys a great opportunity, right? Feel this pressure. I'm going to let this record. You try to keep people entertained for 90 seconds. Go. Uh, Okay. We're going to do that. Here we go. Grab the guitar. 90 seconds. (laughs) He has no idea that we're doing this. Whoa. You just hit the microphone square on. Okay. Here we go. All right. You need these. Give us a second, audience. All right. Well, they can't play this anyway because of the copyright. Oh. I try so hard, my dear, to show that you're my every dream. Yet you're afraid each thing I do is just some evil scheme. 
a memory from your lonesome past keeps us so far apart. Why can't I free your doubtful mind and melt your cold, cold heart? Unbelievable. You guys sang a song when I walked away? Well, he said to do something entertaining and... <laughs> You know, you only gave us 90 seconds. So I don't know what you were alluding to, but. <laughs> no, no, like that's verse. that's for later, Jeff. But no, but no. Like a, a verse of a Hank Williams song would fill that. That was amazing. <laughs> I came back in the room and I'm reaching for the headphones and I'm like, are they playing music? And then I realized you were singing. And I thought, oh my God, I'm going to lose this podcast to more talented people. Unlikely. <laughs> no, so that's that. So I think Arden's laying on her CGM. I think that's what's happening. So I'll know mm. better in a second. No, no blood flow. But, yeah, yeah. Well, no. You know what? It's actually the interstitial fluid gets pushed away from the wire. Right. So it, the so when it says her blood sugar is sixty, it's right. The the sugar in the interstitial fluid right around the wire does yeah. is sixty. And then when you stop pressing on it and stop pushing the interstitial fluid away and it flows back in and like two more generations of the readings, you'll get a good reading. Equilibrates. That's really cool. So, um, okay. That was pretty great. Um, Jeez. I'm going to have to raise the bar on these episodes. Well, I'm happy to report that our juice box has worked. Good for you. Um, What's the blood sugar? It did go down to 66 um, and then it came back up and now it's 79 and even. Nice. Four minutes ago, so well, well done. I think we'll, we'll coast into lunch pretty well there. That's excellent. Yep. Okay, so Kristen, your your question about food is it's very important. So if, the more you listen to this podcast, the more you're going to hear adults who are in their 30s, and some of them didn't have parenting the way you're describing, or maybe the way I the way I talk about it. Uh-huh. And the, if you really hear what they're talking about, they think when they were Tess's age, when they were 15, when they were Arden's age. They wish their parents were more involved. They may have acted like they didn't want them involved sometimes when they were older, but they they wanted it. And now that they're older, they recognize that they didn't understand diabetes as well as they thought they did when they were leaving for college or at a football game or something like that in high school, and that they wish someone would have stayed on them. So I think it's a classic parenting thing, right? You have to be interested. You know, I see my job as a parent as just saying the same thing a million times without getting annoyed by it, right? Because eventually they hear it. And that's true. When you have, once Tess is 20, you'll realize you said something a thousand times and one day it just hit her. And yeah, you know, we, and, thank, we thank her for taking good care of herself. Like every time she does even the smallest thing, we say, thank you for taking such good care of yourself. <laughs> that's lovely. I hope that that's in there somewhere. <laughs> it will, And it all will be. Here's what I know right. though. Like I used to take my son to the zoo when we were just together by ourselves and we would do things like just sit with our lunch and watch tigers eat and, you know, and, you know, talk to him about being polite to people and that sort of stuff. And if you ask him about it now, he doesn't really remember any of it, but yet the impact I thought those moments would have on him seems to have worked because he is the person or close to that I was hoping he could be. So I think you don't get to see it the way you expect later, they don't sit down one day and tell this great story about this time you and them did something together. Or my mom used to say to me, thanks for taking good care of myself when I was younger. They might not remember that, but I think it still works. It's not your expectation for what that'll look like when they're older as far as their memory, but it works out in their actions, I think. 
it's in there as a more foundational thing, I guess, than a Yeah, it's like a painting, specific. really. You know, it's like a painting. Like, you paint the first line on the canvas, and, you know, when you're done, you don't see it, but it would look different if it wasn't there. Right. You know? Um, yeah. Oh, thank you. I just come up, I just... <laughs> There are sometimes I say stuff and I think like that was just one of them. Just now I was like, oh, that was good. <laughs> I, it was more fun that you said it out loud because I had never said that before until just now. Like that's why I love these podcasts. I've never once had that thought in my entire life until just this wow. second. Um, but anyway, wheels spinning. Uh, please, I'm, I'm going now. Um, what I was going to say about the food is you're 100% right. You cannot create an adverse relationship between food and your kid. You do not want to get into a situation where they're like, I don't want to bolus, so I'm not going to eat. Mm-hmm. So so if you – the way I think about that is, you know, sometimes Arden's blood sugar is higher than I wish it was when she ate. And I don't say stuff like, you can't have that because of this. Right. I mean, sometimes if it's really bad, I'll say, look, we have to pre-bolus here and we have to wait. But we're definitely going to eat it. And sometimes she'll go, never mind. I'll be like, no, 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 not never mind. We're going to do it. You know, like, let's do it. But if if the difference between her blood sugar being 180 when this is over or 100, if the difference is I have to make her feel bad about herself to get her to 100, I don't, I go for, I take the 180. Take the 180. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. So, and again, that's just going to be the same thing. You're just, you're just doing these things over and over and over again and hoping they come out right. I think the where people go wrong is they expect something to happen immediately. Like I get, do you have any idea how many times people say to me, I would like Arden to come on the podcast because what they want to know is Arden's okay. So they can believe their kids are okay. Like everybody wants it right away. You know what I mean? Like the answer, when I talk, when I talk to people privately, you know what they want to know when you talk about insulin, how much, how long, tell me, give me a number. Hmm. And I'm like, there's no number. Like, you'll figure it out in 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 20 minutes. I don't know what your pre-bolus is. You're going to have to figure it out. How much to give? I don't know how much to give. Like, you figure that out. Um, But that's but what you see when you hear those, please have Arden on to tell. By the way, Arden doesn't want to come on the podcast. She doesn't even think about that. That's all right. Yeah, she doesn't even think about diabetes the way you guys think she does. She's she's pretty free and clear in her life. And, And the other thing is... The insulin, when you when you hear people ask about that, what they really want is they want comfort. They're like, just please show me something that tells me this is going to be okay for me and that my kid's not going to be the one who, you know, it goes wrong for. Like, I feel like that's what they're asking me for. And I can't do that. All I can tell you is that you should do whatever you think is best and do it every day the best you can. And if you're lucky, it'll work out. Y- you know, I mean, there's no, there's no, uh, Oh, what's that song? I never promised you a rose garden, right? Uh, <laughs> like life isn't. Um, I mean, you. Oh, don't went, don't be asking us for requests. You went, you went, <laughs> you went country music. I can dip into what I heard my parents listening to when I was little. Um, but you know what I mean. Like, there's no guarantees that any of this is going to work out. So I think the best you can do is the best you can do. And if you really can be honest with yourself and realize maybe sometimes the best you can do, you're not doing. I mean, then if you really want to make an impact on it, don't ask another person to tell you it's going to be okay. You try to make it okay. Right. Yeah. And that that must have been also what your wife was saying too, when you would say, oh, explicative, because you just looked at the phone and it didn't report to you what you wanted. <laughs> you know, so that's the same thing is that take the negative, try to take the negative out of it. 
And yeah. I don't I don't ever tell Tess this is a good number, this is a bad number. Numbers are just numbers, you know, and, and we're just dealing with them. At least I try to say that, but it's it's just human nature to to be kind of shocked by something and yeah. have to know, yeah. But you can make it go away. Like you right. really can. Some of it's just time in the simulator. You have to do it enough times. And sometimes it's somebody to help you. I never even considered that Arden would think of me as saying that, you know, saying shit as being like a bad, like, you know, reflection on her. I never even thought of that in that moment. But mm -hmm. I totally see it now removed from it. Mm -hmm. You know, and so you have to ask yourself sometimes, like, what am I doing wrong right now? Because you're, you know what, here's how I think of it. My youngest brother, Rob, and he's a great guy, but he was always in trouble when we were little. And I used to think that Bob had two states of being. Bob was either in trouble or about or he, <laughs> Bob was either in trouble or, or you were or you were about <laughs> to find out Bob was in trouble. Like there was no like he was never not in trouble. You just were aware of it or you weren't aware of it, <laughs> right? Like he hadn't gotten caught yet, kind of an idea. And I think that about like me right now and you and everybody listening. We are screwing something up right now in our lives. Always. Like we're always doing something that's not exactly what we mean to be doing um, or isn't being received by the people who we love the way we think it is. You, you know what I mean? Like, did you ever look at somebody and, and they're doing something and you think, Oh, I know why they're doing that. It's because they're tired. But the truth is there's a whole other reason why they're acting that way that you don't know, but you make this assumption. And then once you make the assumption, you believe you're right. Then you project that assumption onto everybody else and you go along thinking, yeah, I'm doing great. But how many people do you see from afar who you're like, wow, what a mess their life is, right? How do mm. they not see that? And the truth is, is because whatever you think today, Jeff, you trust. And I really believe that's around like sanity. And can you imagine if you were constantly questioning every thought you had, right? You'd be, there'd sure. be in action. You wouldn't be able to move. So we as people, as humans, we just innately believe in ourselves. But once in a while, you have to step back and say, I bet I'm not right about everything. I wonder what I'm seeing reflected in for me from the people I care about. Those are probably the things I could be working on and, and just keep doing that. Otherwise you will get on this really ignorant path to yeah. destruction, right? Like you're just going to, you're going to just, just anxious. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to drive headlong mindset. Yeah. yeah. I'm right. I'm mind. right. I don't have to think about any of this. Just keep going. And then one day when it all falls apart, you're going to go, I don't know what happened. Hmm. You, you know what I mean? So, for a person who's not in any way religious, which I'm not, I just realized that everything I just said sounded like religion for a second, but I think you have to just step it's back spiritual. and yeah, wonder what it is that you're not doing that you could be doing and do it. Because whether you want to believe it or not with a young child, this time of your life, from when they're born to when they leave for college, it's a blip. And I'll tell you, get in what you want to get in now, because you know once they hit 18... You don't yeah. have a lot of opportunities to to make adjustments anymore. Got to get the, the old. The days are long and the years are short. You need, yeah. Oh my God, I said that to one of my daughter's kids one time, and she, uh, friends, and she was just like, "That's so deep." And I was like, "That's not really." Uh, but I, I just, you know, I, I said like, you know how a, you know how a day feels like it can take forever, but a month goes by like that. And it fried their minds. They're like, oh, my God, I've noticed that. <laughs> and uh, There's always a little truth in cliche. Yeah, of course. You, listen, you got to get the car running as right as you can before you get it out <laughs> on the track because you might not get time to pit. And so, you know, once that kid leaves your house, the, you know, there aren't going to be a lot of pit stops after right. that. That's all. So don't waste this time, I say, guess. Is sage words there. Please. I talk so much. I'm, avail <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm 
likely to say something reasonable once in a while if you talk enough, right? <laughs> uh, I appreciate that a lot. So do you have to go, Kristen? Are you uh, yeah. got a few more minutes? I've got a couple more. But okay. um, well, I mean, we we've really covered a ton. I mean, we've covered a lot. You guys got, got me going. I feel like I um <laughs> I feel like we were doing like a talk show on like um Remember when you we were growing up, like Channel 48 or something like that? I really felt like we were doing that. And like in the middle, Glenn Campbell came on. And I was like, this is exactly like the TV my parents watched in the 70s. <laughs> Pod- it's Good. great to have a peer group, I think, you know, with this. but And that's something I think that we would benefit greatly from. But, you know, Asheville is, is a fairly small city. And so we haven't really reached out to the local folks. I mean, we've done JDRF events and, and things. and But... In terms of at the level that, that we want, you know, where it's just an honest conversation and, you know, you just step forward with who you are and, and your experience, that, that just doesn't doesn't really exist for us. So this is this is really great. Yeah. I, well, I appreciate that. I also don't think it exists for anybody. I think that as soon as you put people in a room and they can see each other's faces, then there's a feeling like you need to represent yourself well. Like if I don't do the podcast looking at anybody because <laughs> I want them to feel like they're just a you know, a detached voice talking to another detached voice so they can be honest. Yeah. Je- Jenny and I see each other when we do the pro tips episodes, but that's just for timing. That's so that um, I can see that she's not finished talking. I don't talk over. Sometimes I talk over people because my, in my mind, I'm like, Ooh, they're done. And then I like conversation to flow quickly. So I jump in and then they're not, but where we lose that, we gain a feeling of uh, anonymity, I guess. And um, and allows people to be more honest while they're talking. So just keep listening to the podcast. You don't need to go. For to sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what are you going to go to a thing? They're going to make you bring coffee, Jeff. When it, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> they don't make him answer you, that question. <laughs> you don't need. You don't need more to do, man. <laughs> You're busy. You know. So where do you imagine? If I can ask, d- d- can you imagine that five more years from now it's not going to feel like this, or are you really concerned that this feeling doesn't go away? I believe we're on trajectory for her to to take over. You know, part of I think the the brilliance of the age that she's been diagnosed, if, if if she had to be at a young age, is that she doesn't really have to do that much other than to to do all these things with the sight changes and put up with with a lot. But she doesn't really. I, I think I identify with how you described Arden that you know, diabetes doesn't define her and she doesn't really spend that much time on a day-to-day thinking about it. So to me, I, I, I know that she's got it. I know she knows all these terms. You know, she's doing her own PDM. She'll probably treat herself for lunch as long as she has an adult watching her. But at some point, she is going to have to step up and, and, and react to the alarms and not just wait for someone to come to her with juice box. And um, so I, I, I see her as intellectually there. But, you know, emotionally to really step up and, you know, which is she going to respond to an alarm at night or is it going to be still relying on us to come in and say, hey, you know, wake up, drink this juice and go right back to sleep. Jeff, Jeff is the optimist in our relationship. <laughs> I could say something more along the lines of, OK, five years, she'll be smack in the middle of her teenage years. She'll be more responsible than most, but she'll also have a really big rebellion streak. (laughs) And I don't know how that will manifest. I don't know if she'll be the kind of person who gets really motley and moody and and doesn't want to, you know, she wants to take it out on her diabetes or will she want to, to be the one who, who keeps it all together. And it's a question. It's a good question. I mean, 
Yeah. Well, so it's so funny because here's my response to both of you. And Kristen, I'll start with you first because I'm going to t-shirt cliche you, right? (laughs) Worry is a waste of imagination. You have absolutely no idea what's going to happen in the future. And you trying to imagine what is going to happen is a fairly big waste of your time. All right. Right? Because she may or may not be (laughs) all of those things or something you can't even think of right now. Like, don't forget right now, it's just the three of you. She's going to go meet another person. She'll have a different idea. She might go down a different road. She might figure something out. You know what I mean? Like, maybe she'll just come home one day and be like, whoa, I can't believe it. But I would like to take care of my diabetes now. And I know what to do. And I really appreciate you guys. But get out of this. But uh, still help me a little bit. And Jeff, what you said is interesting because you are looking for a moment where she's just like, I understand this. Let me do it. Because you're worried that one day she'll leave the house, I'm assuming, and not understand it. And I think that that's a bit of folly, too. Because my son and I FaceTimed. Well, we didn't FaceTime. We, I went to his baseball game the other day, and we had dinner afterwards. And there were things he was saying that I was like, wow, like that kid's really growing and learning. And like, listen to that like thoughtfulness from him. And there were moments where he was saying something to me, and he needed me to tell him if he was right or not. Hmm. And he's a bright kid taking a tough major. And I think if I drop dead right now, he'd, he'd have an okay life. But there are still moments where he looks at me and says, I need to understand if I'm thinking about this right. It's and dad's so, advice. Well, context. <laughs> but what I'm thinking is around the diabetes, I think it's sort of, um, I sort of think it's a false narrative, that idea that one day like a switch will get flipped and then they'll just do it on their own. I think that you are involved in something that, you guys might be connected on for a really long time. And again, I think if you listen back to some of the people who have struggled as adults with diabetes, their parents had this cord cutter thought in their head, like, oh, she's got it now. It's okay. And the truth was the kid didn't have it and also didn't have the the guts to look at the parent and say, look, I know you want to be out of this, but I, I don't understand yet. And so I think it's... um I think that the amount of interaction that we have with our kids as they get older lessens, but I don't think the need for it lessens. Hmm. That makes any sense. Okay. Yeah. There's, there's a, a lady we have met through our local JDRF and she just sent her, her son, her T1D kid to college and you know, he fell asleep at night and had a pretty shocking low and she could still see it, whatever, three cities over, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so she's calling and then she, she calls the the dorm manager or whomever to go and knock on the door to wake him up, to get him some sugar. And I was just horrified at that story because I was just thinking maybe, maybe fantastically that, you know, I do look to Tess to be able to take care of that. I cannot be with her all the time. I'm not her outside pancreas, you know, like I'm trying to work myself out of a job. (laughs) Well, and if that makes you feel any better to know that I thought that story was pretty cool that like there was someone to call and they went and helped her. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, I think if you're hoping that your kid's never going to have a low blood sugar as an adult that they don't, um, that they aren't aware of, I don't think that's something you should be hoping for. I don't think that's going to happen. And I don't think that everyone's always going to hear the alarms. And I think that everybody's always going to need help. And I think that aside from diabetes, people always need help. We don't admit it really, but like, I mean, like there's no day that goes by that you don't need somebody's assistance with something. And, and, and life is always sort of better when there are other people involved anyway. Mm -hmm. So maybe it'll be your daughter's roommate or, you know what I mean? Like maybe it'll be, maybe you'll, I don't know, but I couldn't wake Arden up with a bullhorn 
to be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> but seriously, I mean, I could walk in a room and begin to do. scream. And she have you just, ever tried that theory? That seems cruel, so I haven't. No, but I. <laughs> I've taken Tess out of bed and set her up next to the bed and like put clothes next to her, you know, assuming that she's going to get dressed and come back in the room and she's sleeping on the floor. <laughs> like she just slid down the side oh, of please. the bed. Listen, if you want to feel, <laughs> if you want to feel hopeful, realize this, no matter how you think we got on this planet, at one point we got here and we didn't even speak. And right. now we can get into a, a tin can and fly all around the planet. So people have a way of persisting. Like, you know, I don't want to quote Jurassic Park, but life finds a way. And so most of people living with something, they find a way to live with it. And then from there, whether or not that means you're burdened by it or you're enlightened by it, that ends up being a personal decision about how you see it. And very similarly to me looking at like taking care of my son for that first year and a half as a job, I just decided not to see it as a job anymore. I decided to see it as something that... You know, I, I started thinking of like vacuuming the floor as positive because, you know, it felt like a waste of my talent. But at the same time, I wanted my kids to appreciate a clean house because I thought one day that meant they'd keep a clean house of their own. And I visited my son at school the other day and he keeps a really clean dorm room. And maybe I had something to do with that. And maybe I didn't, but I get to think I did. So, uh, that's or he it. had 20 minutes to spare before he showed up. And- <laughs> nah, he doesn't He doesn't care what I think. So there's no way he would have cleaned up before okay. I got there. <laughs> so, uh, but you know what I mean? Like there's just these little, you're planting seeds along the way and some of them will grow trees and some of them won't. But you're not in charge of which ones grow and which ones don't. You're just in charge of planting the seeds. It's a weird condition too because, you know, part of you, part of me has this faith in the future that, you know, some, the technology is going to connect and it's going to work. Certainly. And, and so there's, there's that, you know, obviously we can't predict when that would be or what exact moment that's going to be. I have a feeling it's going to be gradual and we'll never really witness it or observe it. And then bam, it'll be totally different. (laughs) That's how everything happens. Everything happens like that slow and steady slow and steady, then a new person comes in, they don't even know how, what a great advancement they've made. You, you and I don't ever think about boiling urine to find out what somebody's blood sugar is, but people live like that for a long time. And, you know, uh, like Xeris Pharmaceuticals just came out with this glucagon that, you know, they're, it, it's, a, it's approved for emergency use right now, but they're- The trying, nasal? Uh, no, no, this one's a, a pre-mixed uh, injectable. So- oh. You never know if somebody won't take that one day and find a way to put it into a closed loop system that when your blood sugar gets low, it just gives you a little bump of glucagon. Yeah. And then your liver goes, oh, you need some sugar? Here's some glucose. And that's it. Maybe that'll be it. Maybe it'll just be that your daughter will be able to have a 58 that's fighting with her and she'll be able to do a little bump of like a mini glucon bump, glucagon bump. And just like, you know, just like you would inject the insulin, you inject a little bit of that. And there's so many things that are going to happen even just with closed loop systems, you know, they sometimes can't stop lows, but they can shut insulin down. So maybe she'll get into the fifties and I'm sure she will while she's off at college sometime, but maybe she'll be wearing, you know, uh, Omnipods horizon and it'll just shut her insulin off, but not the twenties or thirties. Right. And it'll keep her from actually having a seizure or being, you know, it's not going to be a great morning for her when she wakes up, but she'll be alive. And, you know, and she'll, she'll move on. Like, you don't know what this stuff's going to be. And again, I think trying to imagine it is, it's counterproductive to you being happy today. Gotta live in the moment. That's it. There are a lot of t-shirt slogans in this episode for certain. (laughs) (laughs) And I have to be honest with you. It's, uh, we're very close. I'm very close to calling this episode either Robotessin or, um, (laughs) 
or t-shirt slogans abound. I'm not sure which it's going to be, <laughs> uh, but I really enjoyed this and you guys yeah, were terrific. It's you. been great for us. We've been looking forward to it. I know we set it up a long time ago and it's kind of been in the back of my mind and you know, we've, we've really enjoyed the show. We've learned a ton. Interestingly, we actually have an endocrinology appointment later on today. So I, f- I feel like we're going to be having dinner tonight, like with minds blown, like where, what, what distance have we traveled today together and where are we? And it, it'll feel like, like a journey, I think. What's your expectation for A1C today when you get there? Uh, I'm going to hope for six, six seven. 6.9. 6.9-ish. Yeah. Well, she was, that was the last one so mm-hmm. three months ago. So I'm going to say that I don't entirely trust the the readings that the for the a1c i think we're, we're coming a little bit lower mm-hmm. than than what the clarity tells us so I'm thinking six six seven would be great but obviously you fear that that what if it's a seven one right. and you know, obviously we'll, we'll just keep on keeping on if it is but truth is it doesn't matter but i think the truth the bigger truth is and this is me uh, um somebody will see this as me blowing my own horn but i think if you keep listening to the podcast your variability will get better. Your time and range will get better. Your blood, your and your A one C will just drop. It all just sort of start happening. And I would. I think we need a way for Kristen to spend more time with the podcast. You know, because for her to listen to it with Tess in the car, and they, they we live outside of the city, so they mm-hmm. they spend thirty minutes in the car. You know, for me, that thirty minute drive is easily a podcast. But but I don't think Kristen gets the time. Well, Kristen, the only thing I can tell you is that I, you know, your sensibilities may be different than others, but a lot of people listening are listening with their kids. So, and I right. know, I know a woman who gave this podcast to her kid, and that's what actually got his care moved into his hands. Mm. So, mm. you know, I, I don't know if I say stuff. I think the stuff you're worried about her hearing, she might not understand anyway. So, um, that's pretty much it. Uh, I don't know. Like, is, do you think it's because do you not want her to hear something? I should have asked you. Do you yeah. not? Do you not want her to hear something sexual, or do you not want her to hear something that might be about diabetes but not positive? Well, the whole waking up dead thing is is weird. <laughs> like, you try not. You try not to remind them of that. Rotten morning. So so let me. Uh, uh, so as we go, I'm going to share this with you. Uh, and a woman who was a huge part of the online community back in the day, and she, I still see her there once in a while, told me this story. She said that she kept the idea that there was a scenario with insulin where you could die from her child. Never, ever told him. And one day she got caught in a scenario where the kid, they made dinner, gave insulin. She had to run out with another child So she looked to her older child, 16, 17 years old, and said, listen, I need him to finish that food. And the the kid was like, yeah, okay, great, no problem. I'll make sure he eats it. Well, the kid didn't want to eat the food. The mom left, and the older sibling, you know, told them, look, eat that or you're going to die. And that's the first time the kid had ever heard it. And when she got home, he was sitting on the floor a mess, crying and blubbering. I don't want to die, blah, blah, blah. So... I, I don't know that, you know, in third grade, she needs to understand the full weight of it, but I don't think it hurts for you to start explaining to her that it's important for, you know, safety reasons, maybe, or yeah. however you come up with saying it, yeah. because because what you want is one day for her to put on a new kind of pump and look at you and go, is this going to be all right? And I go, I don't know, maybe. Is it going to kill me? I'm like, I don't know. Probably not. Like you, you want her to be able to roll with that idea, not to right. be like put off by it because you don't want her to be somewhere one day when someone who does understand how insulin works completely decides to tell her. 
Right. You know what I mean? Like to me, that's a lot like sex. I, I, I'd prefer my daughter understands it leaving the house than when some, <laughs> when some crazy 16 year old boy tries to explain it to her. So, um, <laughs> you, you know, I don't know. It's up to you. Obviously I'm not making a judgment, but I, I really think like, I think you got to teach her the whole thing. Oh so. yeah, we're we'll confront. We'll we'll do it all. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I I could I could start making test friendly episodes, but I don't. I don't you, you might be the only she's, one listening. She's not that sensitive. Yeah, you, you might be the only one listening, Chris. <laughs> she, she she hears worse on a day to day. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> of course she does. Um, you guys are terrific. But, I really but appreciate sure. We'll it. take a personalized podcast. Sure. Yeah yeah. Would you just yeah? I'll just I'll make an extra day in the week and get right to it for you. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> Thank you again. All right. Thank you. This episode of the podcast was brought to you by the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. And I'd like to tell you a little bit about it. So hang on for just a second and learn with me. Contour. Oh boy, here goes the spelling. ContourNextOne.com. I did it. C-O-N-T-O-U-R-N-E-X-T-O-N-E.com. When you get there, here is what you're going to learn. First of all, the Contour Next One has its own diabetes management app that's available for iPhone or Android, and it's amazing. It's also compatible with the Apple Health Kit. For those of you with the Apple, you know what I'm saying. This app is going to help you keep track of your blood sugars. Those of you who don't have a continuous glucose monitor can still get a lot of important information from your finger sticks. And that information is going to be actionable for many reasons. One of them, and I may be possibly, in my opinion, the most important reason, is that the Contour Next One blood glucose meter is accurate. Super duper, uber accurate. Now, that's a technical term that they use to rate meters. It's super duper, uber. Uh, there's super duper, uber. There's super duper. There's just uber. Then there's mid-level. Uh, not so great. It, it's a very weird scoring system. This one's at the top. Super duper, uber accurate. The Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter. You have to check it out. I tell you all the time, it fits in your hand nicely and it's not very big. So it's a great mix of, doesn't take up a lot of space, but I don't fumble with it because it's small. And the test strips, I just love them because they're second chance eligible. You know what I mean? You go in, you try once, you don't quite get the blood drop. You can go back again without wasting a test strip. It's excellent. All this is at ContourNextOne.com. You know what else is there? A little button that'll tell you if you can get a free Contour Next One meter. Now, everyone's not eligible, but a lot of you gonna be. So give it a click and find out. The rest of you, you're gonna have to ask your doctor for that Contour Next One blood glucose meter. Do it. Stop walking around with that old nasty meter you've been using forever. You don't even know if it's accurate or not. You have no idea. How long ago did somebody develop that thing you got in your pocket? 10 years ago? You really want like 2,010 meters when you could have, you know, super duper ooper? Let me just finish up here by telling you about Touched by Type 1. Please, please, please go to touchedbytype1.org to see the good work they're doing, even in these tough times. Touched by Type 1 needs you more than ever. So go check out what they're doing and see if it doesn't touch your heart. Hmm? Touch your heart? Touch by type one? I feel like you see what I just did there. I, I mean, honestly, at this point now, you owe me going to touchbytype1.org because, I mean, I've made a connection here. Touched by type one. They're a great organization. 
Just go check out what they're doing. See if you're not moved. So I want to thank Kristen and Jeff for coming on the show. They did a really terrific job and they set all that up, all that technical stuff that they did on their side so that two people could have two separate microphones and sound super clear and be on the podcast. That was them. That's how badly they wanted to come on the show. And I really appreciate it. What else I need you for here? Oh, uh, leave a great review on Apple. I am on Apple. What do they call it? Apple podcast. If you can five stars, say something really thoughtful and heartfelt about the podcast so that other people can find it. Thank you so much for sharing the show and for listening. June 2020 was the most downloaded calendar month in the history of the podcast, eclipsing, seriously eclipsing every other month before. That can only happen because people like you share the show with someone else. So I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. I just, I don't know what to say. It was was really cool. Hey, while I've got you, if you have a great doctor or endocrinologist, nurse practitioner, and you'd like to share it with someone else, go to juiceboxdocs.com and you can just send in your information. You'll see a great list of doctors all around the world that other listeners wanted to share with you. And if you have one and you'd like to share it with them, send it to me right through juiceboxdocs.com. Uh, also, for the diabetes pro tips, if you just want to revisit or share, diabetesprotip.com. You don't have to go back into the podcast app to find the pro tips. Diabetesprotip.com. Leave off the last S. For I mean, I don't know, just there's no S at the end. It's diabetes pro tip. Anything else? Hmm. This is me bouncing the microphone against my face, trying to decide if there's anything else. I think I'm done. All right, I'll see. I think there might be one more episode this week, so check back. Bye-bye.